This is the best, 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 best practices in education and Odyssey School podcast. Let's fly away in a cloud. We'll go down to Odyssey. This podcast aims to offer professional resources, practical tools, and inspiring conversations to teachers and parents in their quest for excellent education. And the trees are rainbow, and you'll see unicorn every now and then because that's not weird at all. Welcome to Best Practices, an Odyssey School podcast. My name is Corey Adams, and I'll be your host. Today, we are joined by high school social studies teacher and historian Hadley Cluxton. Hadley earned two bachelor's degrees simultaneously from Ohio State University, one in comparative studies of science and technology, and the other in Spanish, with a focus on Latin American literature and language. Hadley went on to earn a master's degree in history from Appalachian State University, where her thesis was a deep dive into the history of science in Latin America. Hadley's work has been published in the peer-reviewed academic journal, The History Teacher. In the classroom, Hadley strives toward decolonizing history by highlighting diverse and often overlooked histories. Hadley, welcome back to the podcast. Thank you. So I am really excited about this best practice because the topic is one that's close to my heart. Graphic books, and specifically in this podcast, their use in the history classroom. Hadley, tell us why you chose this topic. I chose this topic because this year I'm experimenting in all of my social studies classes with using graphic books more extensively. And this is for a couple of reasons. The primary reason is because due to COVID-19, we have very small mixed cohorts of standard and honors students. And I wanted to be able to address challenging material with readings that all of the students in my classes could understand. It is somewhat unusual to use graphic texts in the classroom, and I'd love to hear you talk for a few minutes about why you think that is. Graphic books were originally used in classrooms as early as World War II to help address complex issues such as the Holocaust. And then in the mid-1950s, a psychiatrist published a book called Seduction of the Innocent that argued that comic books caused juvenile delinquency. This has been resoundly uh, disproven on many points. And this particular author's work has been shown to be fabricated on many levels as well. But this had a really significant impact on the use of graphic books in classrooms for many decades. And the other thing about using graphic books in the classroom is that we have this idea, especially in the social studies classroom, that history is this one particular thing. Like we have textbooks, we have historians, we have a very limited and narrow view of who can write history and what counts as history. And we need to have a much broader view. We need to decolonize that, really. Uh, not just trained historians can write history. Everybody does history every single day. We need to address these lowercase histories, not this uppercase, very narrow concept of what we think of as history coming out of Western academia. Everybody does history, and everybody's histories are important, and those also need to be told. And whether they're told by a trained historian that has come out of the Western academic system, which, by the way, the Western academic system really was created for white, privileged, heterosexual, neurotypical males and everyone else has to assimilate into that into that system um, 
you know, or if it's done by artists or if this, these histories are, are done by other non-traditional scholars, that's all valid and that's all valuable in, in its own way. And those are all works that we need to be able to incorporate on some level into our studies. Can you talk a little bit about what those misconceptions about graphic novels are? One of the main misconceptions that I hear is that graphic books aren't real books. And I want to challenge that on a, on a couple of levels. First of all, they are real books. They're just multimodal books. They're books that include both art and writing. And furthermore, this really gets into the decolonizing of our educational system. Who gets to decide what is literary? Who gets to decide what is art? Who gets to decide what is writing? I mean, going back to the ancient Egyptians and to the Maya who used hieroglyphs and pictographs and their recorded stories and their recorded histories and their recorded sciences, it's really only within the fairly recent Western educational system, which is designed for a very small subset of human beings, that we have a very limited sense of what counts as literacy. One of the misconceptions that I hear sometimes from younger students, and of course I teach high school, so I don't hear this as much, but from teachers who teach younger students, I hear that graphic books are not good for teaching reading to younger students because it teaches them small, shorter sentences and the, the words are easier, there's lots of bangs and booms, and this isn't actually the case anymore. This may have been the case back in the 1970s or even in the 90s, but this is 2020, and there is a much greater diversity of books uh, that are available to students. And not only that, but graphic books really draw students in. Th who is to say what is valuable to read and what is not valuable to read? If a student is interested in reading, that is really important. And if they read the same thing over and over and over again, that is okay too, because every time they're going to get something new from it. Furthermore, the University of Oregon actually did a study on challenging words in graphic books. And graphic books uh, have about 54 words per 1,000 that are considered to be complex or rare by the universe, by these standards. Other books at the same age level, whether they're children's books or up through adult books, they average 30 words per 1,000 that are considered to be challenging and rare. By contrast, most adult books that we consider literary works have an average of 53 words per 1,000 that are considered complex or rare. This is less than the average graphic book. So even at the very youngest levels, graphic books are teaching our students to learn vocabulary that they may not otherwise be getting if they were reading simply picture books. And not only that, but carrying around a graphic novel at a younger age feels better if you're a struggling reader than carrying around a picture book that may have negative connotations with being too juvenile. And this also goes for students at the high school level who may struggle with reading as well. People with dyslexia in particular, I have quite a few dyslexic students. And it's, it's much easier for them to carry around a graphic novel and say, yeah, this is awesome and I'm reading this and I get this, as opposed to carrying around nothing because they feel uncomfortable with the fact that they're not as good at reading or they're slower at reading or it's more challenging for them. So that's another misconception. Yeah, you know, we at Odyssey work within a holistic paradigm, and so that includes taking into account the different domains of human experience, and I love that word multimodal because it really brings in a couple of those different domains, so the aesthetic domain as well as the mental domain, which sort of the subset there is kind of more traditional academic skills. I'm wondering in using graphic novels in the classroom, how has that impacted your student experience? 
So one of the things that I wanted to do this year was read the U.S. Constitution in my civics class. This is a very challenging document for anybody, and especially for students who may struggle with reading, such as with dyslexia. Um, and so having graphic adaptations of challenging documents allows everybody, all students in my class, uh, including people with dyslexia or dysgraphia, to be able to read and understand these challenging works. Can you share with us the specific text you chose for the constitutional focus? So I actually use a wide variety of texts in in my class. The main text that I use is Jonathan Hennessy's The United States Constitution, a graphic adaptation. But I use other works as well. For example, there is a graphic adaptation of the wonderful book Fault Lines in the Constitution, uh, and as well, there is a graphic adaptation of a book called Unrig by Daniel Newman. And there are several really good graphic books on voting and voting history, including Drawing the Vote and another called Amazon's Abolitionists and Activists. Do you find that you're in class asking students to interact with both the artwork and the words that are present in the text? Definitely. One of the things that I really love about graphic books is the representation, especially graphic books that have been published in the last 10 years. They tend to be more diverse. They tend to be more representative of a wider variety of people, LGBTQIA, uh, black, brown, indigenous. I mean, several of the books that I have sitting in front of me right now um, have wonderful representations of human beings. And the difference between graphic books and regular books is that the representation is immediate. You see it on the page. Do you have some favorite authors or voices in graphic historical texts that you feel bring the kind of diversity and voices of equity to the conversation? Yes, there are several books that I've been using in my social studies classroom this year that I think fit that bill. One is Gord Hill's 500 Years of Resistance comic book. It is a black and white graphic narrative that really seeks to decolonize what it is to be uh, in America, using America in the broad sense of the Americas. Another book that I really appreciate is Amazon's Abolitionists and Activists, which is a graphic history of women's fight for their rights. And this is a very unusual book in, in the sense that it's both history and fiction at the same time, um, but it has really excellent history and, and it is very diverse. Um, another book that I really appreciate is Unrig, How to Fix Our Broken Democracy by Daniel G. Newman. This book I've been using in my civics class to address some of the more challenging issues that we bring up in regards to government, such as money and politics mm. and who gets to vote and why. Another book that I have been using is A People's History of the American Empire, which was originally written by Howard Zinn and illustrated by uh, Mike Konopaki and Paul Boole. And this is a adaptation of some of Zinn's later works from the 19th century on. And Howard Zinn, of course, is the people's historian. Another book that I really like is The United States Constitution, a graphic adaptation by Jonathan Hennessy. And Jonathan Hennessy has actually uh, written several history graphic books that are very useful, including one on Alexander Hamilton and one on looking at the Civil War through the lens of the Gettysburg Address. I would recommend all of his books on history. Uh, can I list two more? Is that too many? <laughs> no, go ahead. <laughs> um, I love it. <laughs> Another book that is really good 
for studying the Civil War is Battle Lines, A Graphic History of the Civil War by Jonathan Federborm. And this book is really lovely. They spent a lot of time working on this book. And one of the things I like about this book is the ways that they use art to really illustrate hard histories. It's really beautiful art. And one of the interesting things about this book, too, is is the use of, of sequences. So there's multiple storylines told from multiple perspectives on the same page in a way that's really understandable because of the art. Another book that I like and really appreciate is The Real Cost of Prisons comics. This is a really hard look at the prison industrial system in the United States. And finally, uh, I have many more that I could list, but I'll just stop here. Uh, Fault Lines in the Constitution. This is a graphic adaptation of a traditional book uh, about the Constitution, some of the issues that we have in the Constitution. Uh, and then it's illustrated in, in such a way that really makes the Constitution easy to understand. Thank you. Thanks for sharing all those titles. Now I have some new books to put beside my bed for some nighttime reading. And I also know, you know, you mentioned earlier in the podcast the implications of using graphic novels or uh, graphic texts with young readers. And I know you have two young children. And so because we're getting such a great reading list here, I thought I might ask, do you have a couple shout outs for those elementary teachers who might be interested in incorporating graphic novels into their readership? My daughter really, really likes the Amulet series. Mm -hmm. She also read the entire Zeta the Space Girl series. My daughter's six. Uh, she's in first grade. <laughs> There's, I'm like thinking of all of the stacks of books that she has at home that she's been reading. Just one more. And also she really appreciated The Good Witch. No, was that what it was called? No, it was called The Okay Witch. <laughs> My daughter really liked The Okay Witch. The Okay Witch. I love that title. Thanks for coming today and spending some time with us, Hadley, and giving us an incredible reading list and some ideas about how we can decolonize the history classroom and also reach those students through a variety of domains. We appreciate having you with us today. Thank you. We hope you join us next time for another episode of Best Practices in Education, an Odyssey School podcast. This has been Best Practices in Education, an Odyssey School podcast. It was recorded here in our music studio in Asheville, North Carolina at Odyssey School, engineered by our music director, River Gargarian, and the original theme music was created by the Misfits of Cragberry, an Odyssey student band. Let's fly away in a cloud. Me? Uh, I really, when I was a kid, I read all of the Wizard of Oz series, the original Wizard of Oz series from Frank L. Baum, and they actually had a lot of graphic art in them. And I loved the Five Little Peppers and how they grew. And I also actually along read alongside my dad a lot of 
um, classical texts. So I liked the Odyssey. I was really fascinated by Greek gods and goddesses. There's a great graphic adaptation of the Odyssey. <laughs> yeah. 